right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Neighborish Livecast. I'm Super Dave, aka Mr. Incredible, and we have an amazing show for you today. Uh, with me today uh, is is a person who exemplifies the idea of coming full circle. Somebody's calling me. I can't answer right now. Hey, anyway. I cutting your phone off. <laughs> of coming full circle. So a couple of years ago, I did a show called Getting Over the Hump, and my good friend uh, was a co-host on it, and um, he had to do a couple of things. He had, you know, a job and he got married. And so he had to step away. So my brother, Jason, stepped in as co-host of that show. So now Jason has stepped away from this show to focus on his music career, which is going crazy right now. He has an amazing single and an amazing mixtape out. But my brother, Jess Mike, has come back to fill that void. And I'm so glad to have him here. Welcome, brother. Thank you. I miss y'all. And Jamie back. Jamie yeah, back yeah, there I, soon. I see the I see the wedding picture back there. How's the lovely wife? She's awesome. She's uh she's more than I uh, deserve. Wow, that's dope. That's dope. Shut up. <laughs> nah, that's cool. That's a great sentiment. And, uh, <laughs> nah, she really is. It, it looks like uh, I have my feminine energy here <laughs> with me. Aisha, she's uh she's on in, in voice only today. She says she's not camera ready. So. I really uh, I'm not David, but uh, uh <laughs> I know Mike. My hat off. Talk to I'm, camera, I'm gonna take my hat off. That's that's not camera ready. Do you see that Mike is laying in the bed right now? <laughs> I do see that <laughs> Mike. Not camera ready. Come on, man. But anyway, um, uh, Aisha is one of my, you know, one of my dearest friends, and actually the other host of uh, the original show that we used to do, Getting Over the Hump, a brilliant conversationalist and a great person, which you'll see, uh, uh, Miss Aisha Green. Thank you so much for coming to co-host this. Evening episode of Getting Over the Hump with us. Thank you, David. That's so sweet of you to invite me. I appreciate you. It would be so much better if we could see your uh, smiling face, but I'm not going to harp on that because (laughs) we have an amazing show for you this evening because our guest today, let me say, the first time I saw our guest, uh, she was headlining at the Native Tongue Open Mic on the same night that I made my comedy debut. And uh, (laughs) that night, I was blown away by her talent and skill and uh, her sheer ability. It was amazing. So since then, doing uh, research for this interview, it came as no surprise to me that she's graced stages from the Kennedy Center to uh, the Howard Theater to uh, just a, a number of places in this area and share stages with people like Johnny Gill, Kenny Lattimore, Elle Verner, Bilal, just to name a few. Her latest release, Awakenings Part One is a four song EP carefully curated to perfectly display her outstanding vocal range and writing ability. Ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Cecily is with us today and we're so glad to have her here. How you doing? Sorry, I stumbled a little on the intro. I just wrote that because I've been doing a whole bunch of stuff, but it's all true. I'm a huge fan Thank of yours. You. How Thank are you? you? Thank you. Thank you. No, it was a beautiful intro. I'm good. I appreciate that. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, like I said, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, first of all, I'm a fan. Uh, your, your, your gift is amazing. So I'm really thank excited you. to talk to you about, you know, um, just how it came about and everything. Uh, so we're going to get into that. But first, there's a few things going on in the city, in the country, in the world that we need to talk about. We're going to talk about them right now. So um, one of the biggest uh, things, well, actually, we usually start for the last few months or so. We've been starting every show, kind of giving a recap of uh, what's been going on with uh, the pandemic, 
uh, with the coronavirus. It's been announced uh, today over the past few days that, um, you know, uh, malls and uh, different uh, places like that have been opening back up. It's more indoor dining. Uh, they're moving toward getting back to normalcy. Some people are still skeptical as um, a school recently had an outbreak and a couple of uh, places have been uh, a couple of places overseas have been actually going back to shut shutdowns and lockdowns. And so um, th there's a sentiment uh, among some people that it feels too soon. So I just want to talk a little bit about um, uh, the pandemic itself, how it's affected you guys, since I don't think I've talked to any of you about this yet. So uh, <laughs> so I'm going to start with uh, my brother, Mike. I know um, you work um, in, a, in a retail environment. And so um, has it affected your work at all, your, your ability to you know, move around like you used to? I, I think that the same way it's affected all of us, it's, it's affected me as well. I've been blessed with a job. You know, we grind, we work hard, we do our best to stay clean, and you know, we're mindful of what's going on out there in the world. Uh, retail is a is a broad brush to be painted with. I would say in the automotive industry, yeah. I'm, dealing, I'm sitting in, your, in, in the cockpit of your car trying to figure out what's going on, wrong with your ride. Um, you get your keys in my hand, you know. I think I've, I've been blessed. I work around real, real good people, uh, smart, all on the same page. I'm, I'm grateful that we're uh, here. And I say we, we all here, y'all. Some of us ain't here, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some of us ain't here. So it's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm not real wrapped up into the news, you know how I am. It's yeah. just, it is what it is. I ain't wrapped up in Hi, Isha, how you been, Isha? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike, I'm not standing. Um, yeah, I well, I do listen to the news, probably too much for my own good. Um, I did share the other day about Italy going back into lockdown uh, pre-Easter holiday because of all of the, uh, I guess they've got an uptick in their uh, <clears throat> cases. And I know the UK, they've been monitoring it as well. Um, you know, of course, here in Maryland, Governor uh, Hogan, he's uh, lifted most of our restrictions. And I know for Maryland, I'm sure DC and uh, Virginia have the same, you know, there's a registration if you want to go get the vaccine and, you know, prioritization as far as for the most critical people getting it first. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just wild because it's been like, I think a year, a year and a week or so since the lockdown. And I don't even like, it's just wild to think of how life has shifted so much since 2020, like just out of control. As you walked in my store with a mask on 14 months ago, you might have got your, your, your head split. Now you must have a mask and you must we have, have to have a mask on. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah mask oh, wow. mandatory. Definitely, definitely. So, um, so uh, Mike had already started uh, this a little bit before uh, we went on, but Cecily, how is, um, you know, the pandemic and, and dealing with this shift, like Aisha said, how has it affected your, you know, uh, your music and uh, your ability to, you know, thrive as an artist? Yeah, you know, it's been rough. I, I feel really blessed because um, throughout the whole pandemic, I was, you know, even though I had less than usual, I was financially secure, had a lot of family support. Um, I was living with my parents at the beginning of the pandemic and most of the pandemic. And so I felt blessed that I was able to help take care of them. And, you know, because if not, then I would have been, you know, in a different place and 
probably not seen them for months at a time, you know, so I, I felt really blessed that I was able to be close to family. And at the beginning of the pandemic, it felt really amazing to kind of have like a little reset, even though things felt very uncertain, I was a little anxious. It felt good to be in one place for a long time, you know, like not constantly going all over the place, you know, running myself crazy doing shows in New York and Richmond and Philly and find LA and you know doing all the different stuff so well, really I, to LA. <laughs> right, I was about to say that was a little bit of stunting wasn't it that was <laughs> yeah no, I'm but, just going to LA and New York and you know well, but she, she, so she wasn't flipping she wasn't flipping and if she was saying that was that's what it was before exactly. that it's yeah, I mean, but like, wow, I got my family. It's a blessing. I wasn't, I wasn't going there like for fun. I mean, I would drive to New York, I would do a gig, and I would drive back the same night, know. and they I would know. be exhausted. You know, so yeah, yeah. it's a different. It wasn't like I was going to hang out and chill. So, right, right, I, right. I didn't really give myself a lot of leeway to, to do that um, as much as I should have, probably. But I'll say the beginning well, of the no. pandemic, I'm, I basically felt uh, grateful and um, enjoyed having some solitude. And then, you know, as the year went on, especially as winter hit, because I think for most people, it's like a seasonal thing, you know, your outlook changes. Um, When winter hit, I did get a little depressed. I really started missing performing. Um, And I still really, truly miss performing. I miss that connection. And so it's been difficult because I miss my band. I miss creating music with them. I work best collaboratively and in person. So it's been hard to create new material on my own and find new ways to do that. So I'm looking forward to things opening up, hopefully, you know, this summer and kind of getting, feeling safe, being in community with people again. I can relate, David, each of my band, so I, I missed no, that. No, it's good. And I didn't <laughs> want to say, a joke a lot, so don't, don't, you know, we just messed I missed that. I, I, I can totally relate. Keep, keep pushing, keep mm. pushing. Yeah, that, what's gonna happen is in all this, you're gonna find a song. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, I got some good ideas. It's gonna see everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so you uh, you said that you um work uh, you know, best collaboratively, but I've noticed that um, you use this opportunity to start doing some um, uh, some performances like in your living room, kind of. Yeah. 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 So that's that's dope. I love those. They're amazing. I don't want to get too deep into the interview yet because we're still talking about our stuff. But yeah, um, what you mentioned though about the pandemic being a reset, we talked about um a lot. And actually, um, the other young lady that works with us, Patrice, has talked a lot about um recognizing the blessing and all of this of the ability to just be still for a while and regroup mm-hmm. and restructure and just uh take a good hard look at your 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 life and yourself and just self-evaluation and things like that and the blessings that come with having to be still so mm-hmm. yeah that's a sentiment that we definitely share um the grammys was that la- was last night right mm-hmm. i didn't get to see it because i work on sunday nights uh, I work a lot, but anyway, um, I did. I'm old. See, I, I'm old. I, I watched the highlights. I was old. I'm forty. Fell asleep. But no, um, I'm forty. I, I was. I was. I'm old. I didn't watch anything. Oh, stop it! But <laughs> anyway, it. And then I went and watched, you know, clips and stuff. So, little baby touched me. You know, what I mean, his, his performance was. Yeah, that's where it was. Yeah, I, was I heard, that, I heard it was outstanding. Beyonce shut it down. Beyonce shut it down. Okay. Cool. Right, so cool. Aisha, I saw you posted that. Um, when Nas won the Grammy. Yes. Yeah. So King's Disease was an amazing album. Definitely. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so I was very um 
happy for him winning. You know, he's been nominated a few times, but this is his first actual win, which, you know, again, the Grammys being who they are, it is what it is. It's the 21st year of the new millennium, and he just won one? Literally yeah. just won his first Grammy, yes. Yeah. yeah. It is what it is, Ma, you right. Yeah, it is what it is. So congratulations to Nasir Jones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I posted on your, uh, I commented on your post saying that that was, you know, they really made an attempt this year to make sure that they didn't fall into that, uh, you know, award show so white hashtag. You know, they were saying like the Grammys and the Emmys and so on. And so, you know, it was a lot of, because uh, cause who else? Like Megan Thee Stallion uh, won something. And um, I didn't know... Um, I literally was thinking about the conversation we had when Cardi dropped Bodak Yellow and I remember the shade from David and I was like oh, and okay. here we are <laughs> I'm still not a fan of that and uh, look, we can talk but anyway so I didn't know Michelle and uh, I'm going to destroy her last name Indigea Cello Yes. Like, did. I got it right. Yeah. Anyway, I yeah. had no idea that she was from this area. Like she went to Oxen Hill High School and uh, yeah. yeah, I did, did not that, know And that. she went to um she went to Duke Ellington for some time too, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah. So shout out to her. She won for, for best songwriter and mm -hmm. uh it was she used a big to play night. some go go bands too. Mm -hmm. Oh when she yeah, was see? coming up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's some that, that, How about yourself? Have you have you ever done the go go thing? I haven't. I wanted to in high school. A friend of mine was starting a go-go band, but he didn't pick me as a singer. I was heartbroken. No, oh. no, that's his love. That's his love. That's all right. We're going to start a band tonight. And you go, no, Dave, no. Dave, 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 don't oh, play. Dave, we make some calls, man. We make some calls. We got some drummers on, on it. I'm but um, so let's talk about a couple of um, uh, uh, movies that came out recently. Um, I, last week, we talked a little bit about Coming to America. I just wanted to get you guys a thing. If you guys have seen it. Next. What 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 we we came to America. We here. We need to stay where we are. That that man. This is a we classic. Were uh, we were brought here. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Say it again. Brought and brought is a nice word. Shit. Yeah. Being kind mm. of um, but, but, but Aisha, you have a different uh opinion of it, right? You said it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I do. So knowing like just the background of this of the movie and the Eddie's catalog of work. Now, um, I don't know if you, you remember Pluto Nash. Like, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. So yeah. I, I Eddie's body of work and like Eddie didn't really want to do the movie like Eddie was really not interested in doing a sequel. Um, but fans were really interested in finding out what happened to, um, you know, the characters once they got married, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, whatever. Um, so I'm just saying, I'm just saying it was a gift to the fans. And you have to couple one 2020 was a hellified year. So trying to put together a movie on the scale of what they were doing with Coming to America coming to America to whatever, however you call, say it. Um, I, that was difficult, you know, trying to put that together during a pandemic. Um, I think it was just an opportunity for a lot of Black people to work during the pandemic. 
earn some money during the pandemic and put out something that was for fans. Um, it was not, of course, the best movie. I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. <laughs> Did not ex- I went completely into it. You know what I mean? Like it took me 20 years to appreciate uh, Norbit. You know what I mean? Norbit is like, <laughs> Norbit was funny though. I like Norbit. Yeah, but it took forever. Norbit was for me to- not fun. It was stupid. It was a hilarious movie. Yeah. Anyway, it, go ahead. It took a long time. It took, to her 20 years, it took her 20 years to appreciate it. That's <laughs> yeah, stupid. It like That's forever. Stupid. So I'm just saying from that perspective, I went into it appreciating what Eddie did for his fans. That's all. Okay. If we could put a little piece of her heart in everybody and just sprinkle it all across (laughs) the world, we'll be awesome because that's not pessimism. That's not optimism. That's just pure Mm. love. That's because she she put in food on that. So so I get the same way that I sat here um, got off work, was excited for this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, talked to Miss Cecily, the Miss Miss Aisha, and Dave again. I geared, I got home, wrote me two or three J's. <laughs> got my sixty-five inch right here in front of me. I'm, I'm, I shit you not. I'm like, yeah, it's coming to a. Mer- I've been waiting 20, 30 years for this. Yes, yes. <laughs> and four and a half minutes into it, I got where we were going with it. I want to embrace the women in it. And, it, and because I have, I have three daughters and a little yeah. boy, so I wholeheartedly went in. It was a bullshit. That was bullshit. You can't give me a, a warmed up joke. It's got to be spontaneous <laughs> and real. When you try to warm it for me, it tastes like poop. But <laughs> like, see, I think everybody, I think everybody was kind of looking for this classic. Like you know, the first one is such a culturally iconic. It wasn't broke. Moment. It wasn't broke. It need not. It no, need I agree. Not and, and that's like I used to say, Eddie didn't want to fix it, he, but yeah, he, it was he so wanted, much. Yeah, but he got a lot of you know, a lot of people were on his neck about, it, and he's like, all right, all right, all right, I'll address it and put some out right. here. She's right. Mm-hmm. She's, absolutely, she's absolutely right because the right person got in his sure. ear. The funniest <laughs> part when he wrote over and said. This is bullshit. We couldn't get no ass. That's the funniest part. That was the funniest part of the movie. Like that. anyway, that's the I'll, part. I'll, I'll say this because Coming to America, first of all, came out before I was born. So there's that. Right. But I grew up watching it. Not sure mm-hmm. if I should because it is rated R. But anyway, no, you do, I remember you do well. watching it you do well. as a little kid. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely one of my top three favorite movies. So yes, about the second Coming to America, I'll be honest. <laughs> I could have done without it. Yes, yes. But I'll say I felt like the pacing was off. Um, the movie was moving too fast. I felt like the main character, the son, um, his his acting didn't really pull me in. I know he's from this area. I want to yeah. like. I wanted to like his performance more. I'm gonna be honest, but I want I, I wanted, I wanted to I wanted to enjoy me. the movie. I did. It didn't move me, and I will say this though: I'm really happy that all them black people made some money. Yeah, that's all I, you know, that's all I'm like, I'm grateful that during mm-hmm. the pandemic, some people were working and mm-hmm. got to, you know, meet with their icons like Eddie Murphy and uh, James Earl Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and James yeah. Earl Jones was good. Yeah. And, and he was 90 that, years old. James Earl Jones, his part was extremely bittersweet to me. It was it brought a level of uh, the word solemn comes to my. I, I, I was so depressed because I was like, I know with every word, and we, you know we're laughing, ha ha ha. He's he's really dying here, you know what I mean? And it's like it's a blessing to be in his presence. So it's like, 
Did y'all really milk that? I mean, did he really just die for everybody? Like, that's, yeah, that's yeah, that, was, that, was, that was weird. That was he just killed James Earl right? Jones before he actually died. Like, come on, bro. That's like killing Kobe before the, the helicopter crash. All right, hold that's on, man. Right. We can't hold no, on. That's right. not right. right. Too soon. You don't do that. Too soon. Too no, soon. you don't do that. You don't do that. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Let's, uh, so that. moving that's on to the next topic. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I did get a chance to, um, last night I sat and watched uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. Now, now, this, uh, you know, uh, I feel like if this movie doesn't get an Academy Award um, for something, uh, it's uh, it's, it's uh, just another example of, I guess, what's been happening. So maybe it'll just be par for the course. Uh, but anyway, uh, I thought it was really well made. Um, I thought uh, it was interesting, you know, to, to see the perspective of this guy who was, you know, such a... a a hated person in society for a very long time and to, you know, see the decisions he made and the reasons or the, some of the choices that he went with. So, so it was interesting. And it was the first one by uh, Aisha. What's the brothers, the two brothers name that wrote it? Um, You're talking about Kenny Lucas and Keith Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. The Lucas brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas. yeah. So, and it's their first movie. So um, I, I thought for, for it to be their first, you know, effort at move at filmmaking at writing, you know, a, a feature-length film. It was uh, really well done. All the actors were superb. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. But I'm gonna get you guys' opinion if if you've seen it. Um, start with Cecily. Did you see? Did you get a chance to watch it? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, okay, well, I won't give away I know anything. It's gonna be depressing, <laughs> but I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I I have the same sentiment. I have to be. That's why it took me a while to watch it because. Uh, you have to be in a certain mood to kind of watch movies like that, right? You can't be just, you know, ran out into the streets looking for justice. You, be in the mood. you, you don't want to do mood. that. You're right. You're but, right. Um, <laughs> but, but no, yeah, I, th I think it was uh, really well done, though. Um, like I said, I'm not going to give away anything for you. The part where the dinosaurs attack everybody is crazy. <laughs> I don't know why they did that. But uh, no, seriously. <laughs> but Aisha, did you get a chance to see it? I did watch it. Um, my mother watched it before I did. Um and then I took the time out to watch it on HBO Max. Um, what I liked about it, you know, is l the whole conversation about the Black Panthers. You know, historically, we, as Americans, they don't go into great detail. Um, and that's on purpose. You know, I mean, that's intentional. Um, for us as African-Americans, you know, we know uh, the story and the the whole assassination of, uh, yeah. So, and what is, what's always striking to me is his age. You know what I mean? Like he was 21 years old, like how young the Black Panthers were at this time. Yeah. Um, and they were basically treated like political um, terrorists. Like it's just in insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, so everything- The government treats anyone who is trying to assist the oppressed in America uh, and I'm not even really radicalized, not for real, for real. But <laughs> but it's like as a as a citizen of a minority, both as a female and as a woman of color, how how can you not be a touch radical? Just a just a touch. And there's that. Yeah, I thought it was a really well done movie. Um, kudos to Lakeith Stanfield. You know, he's an amazing actor, just outstanding actor. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was, like I said, I thought it was really well done. And um, uh, like you were talking about the age, but just to, uh, it's so interesting that that time 
brought about people of a young age who had that sense of responsibility and and, and uh, you know just uh, the charge to to help to you know uh, bring about a revolution and a change for the 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 situations that we were in and and it's uh, an interesting contrast to to what's going on today and how with a lot of the stuff a lot of young people have been pioneering you know these marches and rallies and things and just showing you know um how that's kind of come full circle because there was a time when you know um people around that age range he was what like 20 20 what when he got uh 22 yeah when he was assassinated but the the amount of uh just just uh focus and drive that he had even listening to uh you know some of his actual speeches um which they used you know parts of to to inform the movies just just amazing to see people with that level of focus and drive at that age because at 22 i was not that focused is all i'm gonna say about that and i'm gonna leave it right there but uh, mike did you get a chance to see it you know, uh, uh, once again, I got home from work. Mm-hmm. I went and bought HBO Max just to watch this movie. Okay. And Miss Miss Cecily spoke of something. She said, uh, previously she spoke of um, the coming to America, a young actor, and then he didn't really draw her in. For, for I need you to draw me in. If you're going to be the, the, the prime individual I'm listening to and the, the key factor in, in, in the equation, draw me in respectfully the choice of actors was poor you think fred so? hampton really? fred hampton should have been played by by none no other than krs1 because the individual who spoke oh. hear me hear me up. no no sir he's not maybe maybe he's physically but they, coming to america make the niggas young again that's my point my point is this i couldn't understand the damn thing he said when he tried to use Use Illinois and Chicago dialect. I could, I didn't, I didn't embrace him because it's like a yeah. uh, respectfully an African brother trying to sound from the hood. Fred right. Hampton's words were thorough, real to the core. They permeated crackers. They permeated everybody because he spoke to your poorness, your greediness, you, you your nothingness. And mm. where do we find the common ground? Well, this is it. Daniel Cullen. We and none of us got nothing. Who is holding us down? Right. Who is holding us back? And unfortunately, I feel like in that movie, like she said, uh, the other individual didn't, didn't bring her in. I try. I find myself like, like I'm trying to listen, but you also talking to somebody who actually been listening to Fred Hatton since I was 13, 14, yeah. along with, with Dr. King and Muhammad. I mean, I mean, Malcolm and Stokely, everybody. So it, it touched. I, I, I was so pressed to hear hear the story. I appreciate, like, like, like Isha said, you know what I'm saying. Finally, giving us the truth, you know what I'm saying. You know, he he, he wasn't of what you what you made what you made him then in the times in, in the papers. I don't appreciate the uh, the the conveying of his word. His his word was important. How he came across, he didn't bring me in because I don't understand what he said. Like, I mean, not 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 to the point where I need I need I needed to. Whereas I mumbled. I speak fast. I hope that when I when it's time for you to hear what I said, you understood what I said because I, I enunciated or I was fucking clear. Whatever, I didn't get that from that that movie. So in that, I, I need did that. a good job. Who? I mean, uh, a, 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 an imitation. An imitation will not do in this matter. I need a real, and I want to care us one based on if you go to care us one how, how he looks and pictures of Fred Hampton and listen to what care us one has been telling us from day one. 
But who's to say that Karis One has the acting capability to portray you, the character? I know. I'm just being hopeful. That's wishful thinking. <laughs> the other dude, he want me to. I still try. I'm still trying to get out. I'm still trying to get out with him. <laughs> like, like I, I, that was an awesome movie. All he had to do was drop a tear, and I got him. Yeah. Now, Mister Stansfield, that's cold, man. We, yeah. we 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 did it. We did him crud, man. As a whole, collectively, we did him crud, man. He didn't have, he should have to go through all that back and forth about uh, 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 how he, what he portrayed versus who he is as a, as a person, man. That, that, that was messed up. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. Uh, well, they, they. Oh, you're talking about Charlemagne? Yes, ma'am. You got it. Oh, what do you know? He's a mess. But, yeah. but he's yeah. it's, it's he's more for publicity. I feel like that was more to build up publicity for the movie, though. Like I ain't even really pay attention. Lakeith, to no, Lakeith, Lakeith ain't playing. Lakeith, Lakeith he wasn't playing. Playing. He ain't playing. Yeah, yeah. He's not playing. You know, yeah, I mean, that's just, you he know, said we, he had to go to therapy behind this movie. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. He to portray and and the actual guy who he portrayed, uh, you know, um, after a Killed doctor, himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, realizing what he did, you know, I mean, which, in which moment, I mean, I it, it, I'm sorry, but he should have. That's I'm sorry. That's not my opinion. Everybody has. That's pretty opinion. heavy. I'm sorry. You're gonna get us um, shut down on our first show. <laughs> he he did right. Evening, he, but, he did. Uh, we both do. <laughs> We used to say that. Remember, we said that. Like, this is gonna be our last episode, ladies and gentlemen. But um, so uh, yeah, just moving on. Um, March is uh, Women's History Month. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to um, briefly just talk about um, inspiration. I did this uh, last week too, uh, but since I have a new group of people here, I want to uh, talk about just um, you know, women that have inspired you in your life. Uh, any woman that's given you, you know. That 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 extra boost of inspiration, or or someone that's instilled something in you, or been just a, uh, you know, a, a strong, uh, influential woman in your life. Um, I hate to put you guys on the spot like this. Actually, I love it because it makes for good programming. But uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna start with you, Mike. Do you have any women in your life uh, that you like to shout out, or you know? When I got sound corny. No, no, no. You, I mean, or cliche. I, I, I think that the women that, that, that make a, a big difference in, in my world previously, my mama, uh, and I'm not kissing your butt, but your grandma, Miss Mary Walton. Oh yeah, she's nice. Miss Mary Walton. Uh and now and now right now I have like I said, I got three little girls who make my day worthwhile and I have an, an awesome wife. And I have an awesome wife, like she. She's uh, she's amazing. So yeah, uh, I I don't need to celebrate it in March. I do it in June, July, November. You know, I got you know, I, I do it all year round. I mean, my I celebrate their love, their passion, and their hearts and their worth every day. So I don't need I don't need March for all that. You dig? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean no disrespect by, by saying that. No, no, no. You good? We I think we uh, get the gist of what you're saying. So women just, shouldn't have their just, own. Just not just women shouldn't have their own history month, is what you're saying. Forget about women's <laughs> history. No, no, I'm just I, th I, th I think you minimize when you put it in one month. That's well, you know, okay, uh, DC. All right, yeah, yeah. So, uh, moving on, Aisha. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I'm grateful that I have a excellent role model. I'm an excellent, yeah, excellent role model in my mother. You know, she's a wonderful person. Um, has always instilled in me to be passionate and driven about whatever goals I have for myself. Um, my grandmother, my grandma Lily, 
uh, my grandmother Dolly. Um, yeah, just everyday working women. You know, I'm fortunate to be around, and they make miracles happen with meager things. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the magic of, of, of a black woman is dope. Uh, so, uh, Cecily, uh, you know, do you have any women in your life that you'd like to acknowledge in this moment? Definitely my mother. Um, you know, she's, man, I don't know where I'd be without my mom. Obviously, I wouldn't be here. But I mean, uh, just her example, you know, and the, the things that she's accomplished in her life. Um, you know, she helped raise four children and um, also broke many barriers in her career as a lawyer and, you know, being the first black woman to hold certain positions in large corporations and things. And I remember being 12 years old and seeing these articles about her and just hitting me that like, damn, like my mother is really like on it. Like, <laughs> no, no. you know, like this is somebody who, you know, when she gives advice, she listens. So definitely my mother, my sister, um, my grandmothers, and then just lots of women who I've learned about, you know, through life, whose words I've read and listened to have, who have really inspired me. And some people that come to mind are um, Abby Wells, um, I'm talking about the Black Panthers, uh, you know, reading uh, Eleanor Brown's autobiography in high school really meant a lot to me. Uh, Toni Morrison's words have really helped to kind of shape me and guide me. And um, reading the autobiography of uh, Wangari Mathai, who was a environmental activist, Nobel Peace Prize winner um, from Kenya, also a politician. I really, you know, appreciate her and her life's work. So. There's too many to name, but that's some people that come to mind. That's dope. Thank you so much for that. Uh, yeah, yeah, all uh, all great women. Uh, last week when I talked about it, I, uh, I think I said my mom, and so I don't want to keep saying the same thing over and over. She is pretty dope though. But uh, uh, yeah, my, and uh, you know, Mike mentioned my grandmother. I remember my grandmother being the first um, the first person when I was younger. You know, and I did, we had a big family. And, uh, you know, it was always the kids stay in the kid place type thing. And, you know, he stayed out of adult conversations. And she, I think she was the first person and in the midst of a, an, an adult conversation in my, you know, maybe eight or nine year old brain, uh, what I perceived it as. She was, she was like, turned to me and was like, what do you think about it? And uh, in that moment, like, uh, that was just the most, uh, I was awestruck. And, uh, you know, so it took me a second to kind of, you know, uh, to, to, to form an answer. But um, just how strategic that thing was for her, because I think, and, you know, the way I see it is she knew what she was doing. Because, I mean, uh, just having those, being able to have those conversations with her, it's uh, put me in a position to, you know, like to talk and, you know, to interview people and talk to people and do this and kind of stuff and entertain and things like that. So, um, you know, kind of... Um, uh, called to seeing that uh, at a young age and cultivating that in me. I always attribute uh, that to her and my mom and dad and, you know, my family. But yeah, but mostly my grandmother. So that's who I'm going to uh, shout out Mary Walton today. Um, she's, uh, you know, she was a great woman. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, of course, you know, Women's History Month is, like I said, uh, uh, this month. And uh, I think, you know, each show I'm going to take a little time out to shout out some 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 dope 
women in the world because it seems like the right thing to do, right? Why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I do want to um, get into this interview, though, because we have an amazing talent with us today. And uh, why not ask her some questions about how she got here and, uh, and what she does? with the life. So uh, <laughs> Cecily, like I said, I've said a couple times, I'm gonna say it again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, uh, this is pretty much what we do here, just uh, converse and have fun. And um, I always like to start my interviews by taking it, you know, uh, taking the person back uh, to their youth. So do you remember when you were younger, when people would ask you what you wanted to be when you grew up? Do you remember what you would say? Yeah, I think I used to say an actress. Okay. Which I I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> I think that's what I used to say. Yeah, well, performing is you know that's it's all in the same realm though. So so no more aspirations to act though. No, not I mean, a little bit here and there, okay. a little bit, a little bit, but yeah. mostly mostly music. Yeah, seeing you perform, you have a lot of emotion. And uh, um, yeah, being able to emote is a huge part of acting, you know, and mm -hmm. so I think you would be good at it. That's just my opinion. Thank you. But I always like to start with that question just because it's always interesting to see, you know, where people start. And I always like to, you know, uh, illustrate the fact that where you start isn't always where you finish and that's okay. There's a lot of people who aren't living the path that they saw for themselves and maybe, you know, um, feeling down about that or feeling bad about it. but you know, the path is always being created, you know, and it, it's more about the journey. So that's like the show that, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's not always where you start, but where you end up. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's dope. So come, um, coming from that little girl who wanted to be an actor, uh, uh, how did music come into your life? Like, when did you discover that you had this gift and, uh, and start to cultivate mm. it? Yeah, that's, you know, I, I used to like to sing, but I never wanted anyone to hear me sing because I was shy about it. I do remember in middle school, we were singing in music class and the girl sitting next to me, her name was Megan. She turned to me and she said, Cece, you have a really nice voice. And I was like, oh, thank you. And then I was embarrassed because I didn't want anybody to be listening to me, you know. <laughs> but uh, so anyways, I, I, I enjoyed singing. Um, and so when I was 12, I saw a flyer advertising voice lessons at my local, um, you know, performing arts center and asked my mom if I could take voice lessons. She made me do a little audition in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> to see if I could sing. And uh, I, I sang something for her and she was like, yeah, okay, okay, you can take voice lessons. So. I have to thank my parents for investing in me early on from the age of 12 up until now. I've always taken voice lessons. I've always trained my voice and I didn't realize this, what I wanted to do as a career until I was maybe 19 or 20. But yeah, it's always been like something, you know, part of my joy and definitely part of my growing as well. Just learning how to stand in front of people and, you know, hold people's attention and getting more comfortable just, in my skin, you know, not being. Shy. It's funny he I asked that. Came from performing. I, I wanted to know because it ties in what he what he asked. When was your aha moment? The moment when you said, "I'm gonna have the courage to sing," or sang in front of uh, in front of <laughs> others. And then, when was the moment when you said, "Hold on, I can sing"? Like, when, when was that moment for you? <laughs> you know, like. Well, the second part of that question, that moment we were like, oh, I can really sing. Like, 
I feel like I have those moments all the time. Like I have moments where I sing something I didn't mean to sing, where I mess up. And I'm like, oh, I know that's right. And then you know, and then two minutes later, I sing something, and I'm like, oh, that was kind of good. Like I might be good at this. <laughs> <laughs> so that part is constant, that's what's up. you know. That's what's up. But in terms of like an aha moment, um, I do remember when I was in college. You know, I went to school. So when I was a little girl, I wanted to be an actress. But by the time I was like in eighth grade, ninth grade, I had decided I wanted to be a diplomat. I wanted to work in international relations. And that's what it really, what I wanted to do. So I went to college. And you still can and you might. This is true. There's always time. But I went to college. I majored in political science. And it was like after my freshman year, I guess, I was at a music festival with my parents and I was watching somebody perform on stage and I just like had this feeling like this gut feeling, um, this heart feeling that, you know, I was supposed to be on stage, not just in the audience. Like I just had this strong desire to be holding the microphone, you know, and I knew it wasn't just ego, you know, it wasn't just me like wanting to be in front of people and get attention. It's just that like, I knew like that's what thing I was supposed to be doing. And so, from that point forward, I kind of started taking music more seriously, not just as a hobby, but as a profession, as a possible career. And so I started to, you know, explore more into songwriting, which I hadn't done before. And I started to, um, you know, try to have more solos because I was always in a lot of choirs and acapella groups and all that, but I wasn't always like trying to solo. So I put myself out there a little bit more with that. And yeah, that's kind of how it started. So, mm-hmm. awesome. so I just wanted to shout out uh, your your mom real quick. I love the part of the story you say that she made you audition first. She's like, I'm not gonna send you out there to be a, <laughs> let me see what you got. <laughs> That's I think dope. It was more so like I'm not gonna waste my money. Right, yeah. Have no like innate talent, which I don't think is a hundred percent fair, but hey, it's her money. So I All right. <laughs> it's an investment. I, I, I agree. That's, that's yeah, a sound yeah. investment. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> if you sound like when I sing, then that's not a good investment. Right? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Or Dave, Dave can't sing either. Can you sing? Can you sing Isha? Nope. Is she honest? <laughs> Is she honest? She said no. She can hum though. She's a good uh anyway, uh she's a good uh and a whistler, she's a good whistler. But, um, That's a talent right there. <laughs> but um, uh, so who are you afraid? Like, who do you listen to? Like, you're a dope artist, and you know it's always interesting to see who people are really good. Like, like who's in your? I used to say iPod. I guess iPod is not a thing anymore, right? Uh, <laughs> Playlists. Yeah, who's in your playlist? There you go. Thank you, Mike, for bringing us. Yeah. Twenty twenty. You know, it's funny. I just moved, and so I I came across my old iPods, and I was like, I'm saving these joints. so i still do have those ipods i think so some recent people i've been listening to you know i really i'm really definitely an r&b person like a soul music person i i used to listen to a lot of hip-hop i'm gonna be for real i don't listen to hardly any hip-hop anymore it just doesn't it's dead but it's okay it's not even that it's dead it's just that it doesn't it just doesn't, I don't vibe with it in the same way that I used to. Right. So I, but when I find artists who I do like, I will listen. But okay. in terms of who I've really been listening to, um, I said yesterday on, on the socials, and it's very true, that my favorite album of last year was Leanne LaHavis's self-titled project, Leanne LaHavis. She's one of my favorite artists. This is her third album, and 
I think it's definitely her best one. I think it should have got a lot more attention than it did because it, it's beautiful and I listen to it all the time. Okay. Um, another artist also from the UK. I listen to a lot of UK artists. I just feel like they have a little bit more uh, creative freedom over there somehow. They're not trying to fit into boxes as much. Right. So uh, I really like Cleo Soul. Um, she's super, super dope. Um, shout out to um, DJ Wiseo from PFW Soul Conversations who put me on Cleo Soul. He was like, you got to listen to Cleo Soul. He was like, you don't know Cleo Soul. Um, I love her song, When I'm in Your Arms. I could listen to that all day. And uh, some other people, like new people, I listen to Xavier Omar. I also really like his new, uh, one of the songs off his new project with Mariba. So those are like some new people I've been listening to, but okay. for real, for real, when I'm mostly listening to music, I'm listening to things from the 70s, 80s, and kind of- Did you like, say substance? You said things with substance. I, I, I understand. It's not. No, I said the things 70s the and the 70s, 80s. But hmm. that's Substance. <laughs> substance. <laughs> when the, when the song was a you heard, song- You heard the like, subtext of that. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> But I think like today, what I was I listened to, I was listening to Aretha Franklin, um, Roberta Flack, and uh, yeah, that's that's usually what I'm listening to. It's like some old school stuff. I was listening to Donny Hathaway today. The other day, I was listening to a lot of Faith Evans, Mary J. Blige. So I love Anita Baker. I love Phyllis Hyman. I love Minnie Riperton. I listen to a lot of Minnie Riperton and Chaka Khan. So that's generally where you'll find my ears at. Okay. okay. Yeah. And that and that that soul is definitely uh, uh very apparent in your in your work. Um yeah, so um you talked about how in the UK uh they don't work as hard, I guess, to kind of fit into the boxes. Um, um do you find that a lot more here that people try to put you in boxes, uh, you know, uh, with your music and stuff and try to put you in specific categories? And do you think you fit into a specific category? Well, I definitely see myself as a soul music artist, and I'm very comfortable with that, like that label, if you want to call it that. Oh, you know? it's real. Um, that's definitely because I, I, when I think of soul music, I think of like a lineage, you know, of sound mm -hmm. and yeah. sonics, and I definitely see myself as a, you know, part of that lineage, as an extension of that lineage. So I'm very comfortable with that label. Um, I do think that. You know, in in the U.S., you know, music is still very race-based. Like, uh -huh. since the invention of recorded music, there's been race records, and I still think that that's really how the music industry is set up over here. It's very much based on race. Um, and I think that, you know, there's definitely, when it comes to R&B, like contemporary R&B, there's like a very polished, like, radio sound that people are going for and I particularly for myself am not a huge fan of that very polished highly compressed mix quality that a lot of contemporary R&B has because like I said I love 70s music and 70s yeah. music feels very organic you know right, right. and so I feel like sometimes when I when I finish my work I'm just like nah they're not gonna play this on the radio because it doesn't have that it's not that it's not good enough. It just doesn't have that radio quality that people look for on, you know, uh, 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 radio uh, 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 over here. Excuse me. Hmm. You say quality? I mean that radio mix quality. I don't you have mean... quality. Necessity. You have most certainly have quality. <laughs> Make no you. mistake about it. You have, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to flatter you. 
I, I remember sitting in there and like, you know, we're going to a little boutique, you know, I'm trying to see Dave. I want to see him succeed. But in my back of my mind, I'm like, you know, his joke wasn't funny in the car. <laughs> and so, so, but, but on stage, he kills it. But then I hear this sultry voice. And I wish I could, I wish, I'm, I'm in the, I don't know how I'm going to show it to you, but I, uh, I recorded my wife. She's about two chairs over from me. And she's grooving to this young lady up there singing. I'm like, I ain't know she was going to be here. This is, this is awesome. Like, like, I mean, you set off quality, mom. Most, most certainly, you. most definitely quality, okay? Thank you. Make no mistake about that. that. I, I mean, and it's that. I don't know how you fit in that radio box. I mean, why? Mm -hmm. Damn all that. Fit, create your own <laughs> box. I mean, make your own yeah. box and make your own way because yeah. well, really that's what that's what holds us. That's why the 70s music still holds us. Yeah. I'm yeah. cooking uh salmon last week. 70s music, RB <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> and then here comes Otis Redding. That's what <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's what's on my radio. So. Yeah. I also think another difference between here in the UK is that when I send people my music in the UK, um, and in, I, I don't, I'm not just going to say the UK, but Europe in general, but I've gotten a lot of love in the UK. So I want to shout oh. out, you know, my people in the UK for that support. But, um, you know, they don't really like look for like what my label is as much, or if I even have a label or, you know, who I'm working with, who I'm associated with. It's more so about the music. And I feel like here people are more so willing to support you once they know, like, you have the machine behind you in right. some way, you know? So I think that there's also that because here things are very much still money driven. Like even though payola is illegal, it's definitely a thing. And, yeah. you know, in Europe, payola was never really a thing and still not right. a thing. So I feel right. like it's just yeah. more about the music. Yeah. Um, so one of my, one of my goals for last year before everything shut down was to finally go over and perform in the UK. And I was like, so excited to make that happen, but you know, soon come, it'll happen when it happens. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, uh, we're going to set up a tour for you. Nah, I'm, I'm jumped out there too far. Anyway, <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah, so, um, your, uh, your appeal is amazing. Um, I see you, you have fans, like you said, uh, you have a following in the UK, but um, worldwide, is that, is, it's surprising to you how many people respond so positively to your work? Um, I wouldn't say it's surprising. I think I worded that weird, like they shouldn't have responded. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> what I meant was, because it's always like I've done music and I've done a couple of things. And it's always like, well, people really like what I do, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what I meant. I just yeah. want to clarify. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not surprising, but it's definitely heartening. You know, yeah. like it yeah. reminds me, like, okay, people are noticing this. Like, people are not just hearing the song, but they're adding it to their playlist. They're putting it on repeat. You know, they're sharing it with friends. Like, I have people who will tag me in their you know instagram stories playing a song i released like you know four years three years ago or something that to me is already old right 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 and, and i'm like oh thank you so much and they're like oh yeah my friend just told me about this song you know and that to me is like wow okay that's great people are sharing the music that's wonderful yeah, yeah and it, it shows that you have that timeless quality and that's a great segue uh to my next question i was looking through uh, your your catalog of work, you know, in preparation for this, and I noticed you you have like you know uh, uh, 
some some music out. You have a good amount of music out. So um, some of the first, I saw some of the first like singles and things that you put out, you know, a few years back up until you have, uh, you know, uh, like I said, you have this uh, four, four song EP out now. Um, your growth, I think, uh, in listening to your music is evident. But in your opinion, what's the biggest thing that's changed from, you know, when you released that first song to, to now releasing, you know, music? And just the whole process. Well, what's the biggest change that you made? Yeah, I think I think the biggest change for me has been one. I just got older and I have a better idea of who I am and what I want to say, you know, and what my legacy is as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think two, I've I've really found some people that I trust and who I enjoy working with, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I know that we can like we vibe, you know. So I think that those two things help a lot. Like early on, I was just kind of working with whoever people kind of connected me with or recommended because I didn't know anybody, you know, and I was kind of just writing like whatever felt good and whatever came to mind. But now I definitely go into projects much more thematically. And uh, I'm always thinking about the message. I'm always thinking about, you know, how the message I want to leave people with. And so I think that's the biggest change. And I'm, I'm really proud of my growth. And in, in addition to Awakening Part One, um, I also released a new song last year uh, called Spirit Tell Me. And that's the first single off my upcoming project, Awakening Part Two, which I hope would have been recorded by now, but you know, there's a pandemonium. So yeah, we're gonna yeah. have to wait a little while, but soon come, soon come. Yeah, yeah. You talked a little bit already about how, you know, uh, the pandemic, I mean, just all the craziness that's been going on has affected, you know, your ability to, to you know, collaborate and work um, and uh, things. So, but you said you uh, you are working on the, the Awakening Part 2 and it's, it's mm-hmm. coming. Do you have any tentative, you know, uh, uh, plans or dates or anything? Or So, fingers crossed, I apply for a grant that they're announcing at the end of the month. So if I get that grant money, I'm hoping to uh, release the project this summer and uh, fall. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Dope, dope. Yeah, yeah, because part one, I was wondering if there was gonna be, because you know, sometimes people do a part one and they just never see anything about it, but yeah, so there's gonna be a part two, cool. <laughs> No, definitely cool. part two. The problem is now I have so many songs written for part two, like part one was four songs. Right. Part two, I have like nine songs written and I'm like, okay, I can't afford to do all of these songs. So I have to figure out which ones make it and which ones don't. We'll see. But yeah, <laughs> definitely part two come in and I already have the project after that really like in the works, at least in my head. So that's right. it's hard sometimes because you have the music, you live with it for so long and it already feels like, okay, I want to do the next thing, you know, right, people right. haven't even heard it yet. Yeah, <laughs> they haven't yeah. even heard the last thing yet. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, speaking of that, um, and uh, that process of, of going through and picking, you know, uh, which ones uh, will go on the album and things of that nature, uh, do you have a favorite piece that you've done? Like, I know for most artists, every piece is like their baby, and so it's hard to pick one, but do you have something that you're like, you know, this one right here is the one? Yeah, okay, I really like Clumsy. I know that's like everybody's favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of my favorite too. I really love, you know, it's funny, the things I love about the most are the things I didn't do, like the horn arrangements. I mean, I was there when we wrote them, but it's not like I wrote them. Shout out to Drew Kid, um, Drew Kid, also known as Andrew Flores, who uh, uh, co-wrote the song with me and Malik Hunter, who co-wrote the song with me. 
Wow. Um, Lee Compton is the homie. I know yeah, the bass yeah, right? The bass yeah. player, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. name? Uh, Fire Archer. That's his that? producer name. It's Fire Archer. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. He produces. I didn't know him this yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love clumsy. I love acceptance, which is also from Awakening Part One. Um, just because that song. You know, I really wasn't sure of it at first, but when I listen back, I'm like, no, that was, um, I'm always proud of the lyrics that I write, you know, the most. It's like when I'm able to really tell the story in an honest way, but in a compelling way. And, you know, I've someone tweeted me the other day, um, they were tweeting, someone said like, what songs make you feel seen as a person with, they, they were saying like with, um, you know, learning disabilities, basically. I think there's a better, more PC term for that nowadays, but I can't remember what it, they right. said. But And uh, he retweeted it with my song, up, Acceptance. He, he, re- he retweeted <laughs> with my song, Acceptance. And uh, mm-hmm. that made me feel really good, you know, that yeah. that song makes people feel seen and appreciated for who they are, you know. That's, That's beautiful. really beautiful. So. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, writing because, uh, you know, I've um, in my younger days, I used to be known as quite the uh, lyricist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've written um, uh, raps. Like, I have notebooks full of raps. I used to do that all day. So I've worked with a couple of singers uh, when I started producing. And I tried to sit down and write R&B. And it turned out to be one of the hardest things I've ever done so I just want to, if you can, just, uh, I'm always so fascinated. Like, you're a superhero to me because, you, you know, you're able to make, like, amazing music that people really feel. And that's, my, the, you know, the um, the draw, the, the relatability of it, um, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, uh, is always amazing to me. So can we just talk a little bit about, like, your uh, writing process? Or is there, like, a standard process? Or does it, like, come to you? Like, how, how do you Yeah, write? It, it varies a lot. I will say that props to you because I... I have a really hard time trying to figure out how to write raps. Like, I'm like, how do you even have that much to say? I'm very impressed with rappers. Like, at least as a, you know, as a singer, like, I'm repeating stuff a lot. You know, <laughs> rappers, you got to have so much to say. I don't think I even have that much to say. Um, but, yeah, there. I mean, the process varies a lot. Like, uh, was it last night or two nights ago? Two nights ago, I got a really good like sketch outline. I, I almost wrote the whole damn song of a new song. And it just kind of came to me. Like sometimes I'll just allow things to like, when I have an idea, I just pull out my voice memos on my phone and I just keep recording and I sing over, i sing things a couple different ways that I find a melody I like, you know? And so usually I'll come, cause I don't play, right? So I don't play an instrument, at least not that well. So I usually will come to a friend of mine, like Drew, who plays keys, like Zach, who plays guitar, or, you know, whomever I want to work with and whoever I feel like the song would speak to, like they would get it. Uh And, uh, you know, I'll sing them what I have. And then we'll start to kind of sketch out the chord structure underneath and then figure out what the groove is going to be and, you know, finalize kind of the structure, you know, like, okay, when does the bridge come in? Should we repeat certain sections, you know? that type of thing. And then it kind of just builds from there. You get the demo, you figure out what other, you know, things need to be on there. Like, do we want strings? Do we want horns? You know, like who's playing on this? Like, you know, what musicians do we need to like bring this to its fullness? So that's usually how things go is I'll come in with an idea to one of my, you know, friends and we'll kind of build it together. But 
Other times, like when I wrote my new single, Spirit Tell Me, um, I wrote that with Musina. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Musina, another amazing black female singer, songwriter, producer, ranger, composer. She does everything. And um, I came in there with nothing. Like we just met up for the first time, went to her apartment. Um, and, you know, I just had a quote. I like to I like to base my songs off of quotes and like books a lot. So I had, a, I had this bell hooks, you know, passage that I was rereading and rereading. And so I read it to her and we just kind of talked for a long time about ideas. And then she started playing something on the piano. And then the first thing that came to mind was the first line of the song. And it just kind of like built from there. We wrote the whole song in like maybe an hour and a half, two hours, um, which for me is pretty quick. Cause usually it takes me a long time to write second verses and bridges and all that stuff, but it just flowed. So sometimes it happens like that. <laughs> you okay. just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's dope. Yeah, that 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 flow is necessary. I always um uh go back to a Michael Jackson quote um where he talked about shut up Mike where he talked about um uh, <laughs> <laughs> talking about the songwriting process and how uh true art is a direct connection with God is like or you know with the uh you know. Uh, the creator and and it's it's a flow and so if you you can't think you know in the process because it's it's organic true art is organic that's what he said mm -hmm. and um you know if you start to try to uh, think too much about it you put you put yourself into it and it's no longer art and so that flow is uh you know um how some of the greatest uh, uh pieces have been have been created so mm -hmm. um uh, thinking back to when you were, you know, um, uh, recording regularly uh, before this whole pandemic started, I always um, would tell when I was working with artists, I would always tell them to get what I call the studio survival kit. So some things that you just have to have with you, whether it's so for me, when I record, I would always need a, a energy drink because, you know, I have to be in there for a while or something before there were energy drinks. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to date myself, but I would get like, um, you know, like uh, some kind of candy or something just to, cause you know, you start to break down after a while, you need that kind of boost. And um, you know, there were times, a long time, you know, mixing and things like that. And so I would, you know, have like something to read or something and just um, uh, water, lots of water and uh, my phone after a while, you know, phones became mm -hmm. a huge thing. But do you have like things that you have to have with you, you know, for that, for that process, like a studio, what's your studio survival kit? So, not much i'm pretty simple like usually i'll bring with me lots of water um some tea some non-caffeinated tea like there's one i like called throat coat tea that's like good for your throat and uh, with honey in it and i usually will bring a printout of the lyrics um not because i don't know the words but mostly because when we're going through and comping which means like you know like figuring out which lines we like from which take. Cause I usually don't just do like one take and we use the whole thing. I usually do like three or four and then we pick out which parts we like from each and blend them together. So when you're comping, it helps to have something to write on. Like, okay, I like this word and this line from this take and this. So I usually will bring that in a pen and that's it. I like, I don't like to wear shoes. I usually take off my shoes. So it's good to have a sweater just in case it gets cold, but I'm pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> and most studios have dimmable lights. I usually set the lights like, you know, mid-level enough that I can still read something, but not too like awake, 
you know. And I usually don't do studio sessions for more than four hours. Like, I usually cut it at four hours because by then, I I don't like to sing for more than three hours at a time because my voice would get tired. Mm -hmm. And, like, my brain just gets fuzzy. Yeah, you you start to break down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What what clicks for you the most? The process, making the song, or once it's a finished product and you you have the opportunity to perform it? What's what's best for you? Performing, definitely. Performing. Once it's it's finished? Yeah, I mean, the performing is always the best part. It's actually, I mean, back in the day, back in the day for me, early in my career, I usually would perform a song for like a year, year and a half before I recorded it because, you know, I wasn't recording a lot. Um, And so that gave me a lot of time to workshop it. You know, the performance is like a workshop. You figure out what's working. You sing the melody so many times. You figure out like how you actually want to sing, how you like singing the melody best and what works. And, you know, you figure out how to build it and bring it back down and things like that. And so I think that's helpful. I mean, with my past, with this past project, I wasn't able to do that because I just was on a quicker timeline. Um, And so now it's like when I perform it live, there's parts where there's ways I sing it or whatever. And I'm just like, man, I wish I had done that on the record, you know? Yeah, Yeah, but definitely performing. A live recording. As we we proceed into 2021, with all that we're going through, um, Mm -hmm. are there certain topics, you know, in, in the world that, you know, stoke the flame of inspiration make you say hey, i, I want to write about this i want to sing about this and and i guess the next question is do you find any reluctance because you don't want to you know ruffle any feathers or you know you want to you don't want to uh push the envelope too much in well, a song i mean i usually like to write about healing in some way right that mean a lot of different things but and I feel like that's needed now more than ever. Um, I think right. the thing for me is when I'm writing is I want to leave something with people, but I don't want to be preachy. And so for me, it's always about figuring out how to do that, right? Like how to how to show this story, how to show this lesson without telling people what to do. Um and I think that's one of the things that's a little bit like off. It's not that I don't want to ruffle feathers. It's just that I know I don't really like being like preached at, you know, like if you're going to try to sh- tell me about something then like, tell me about it, you know, like I said, like most of my work is based on recently has been based on books. So like Awakening Part One was based on these two books well, three books about love. All, one is called All About Love by Bell Hooks. And that's the book that I'm really using as inspiration for Awakening Part 2. And um, there's so many topics she touches on in there. Like, um, like for instance, one song is about, um, I mean, sorry, one part of the book I really love, she talks about, like, respecting the rights of children as full human beings, right? Like, not not treating them like they're less than, not talking down to them, not being disrespectful, not being physically abusive, you know? And so I'm not going to write a song saying like, you know, don't beat your children, da, 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 da. Instead, I wrote a song that is like a dedication to my future child about like the ways that loving them has changed me and mm-hmm. how I want them to be their own full person, you know? So 
I think for me, it's about taking, it's like digesting the things that I've read and the things that I've learned from them that I think are like life changing. And then like, you know, pulling that through my own personal experience right. and telling it from my perspective, my story, you know? So, yeah. Dave, Dave, yeah. may I segue? Sure, yeah. You got to ask permission to segue? <laughs> Yeah, I know you haven't done this in a while, but go ahead. Because because she spoke spoke of children. If you was Kurt Franklin, what would you have done in the last day? What would you have done? What would you have done? How about that? How about that? So, you know what's interesting? I haven't listened to the recording because I'm not going to lie. I've been tempted. I've been tempted Mm -hmm. to listen to the recording, but I also just feel like it's none of my business. Like, I just feel like it's wrong that his son released that. And to me, it just speaks to a a deep rift in their relationship, you know, that he would make that public, that you want to publicly shame your father. And I just feel like that's like messy family business that is none of my business. I am. uh, I really wish them both the best. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, See, Dave and Isha holding their breath right now. I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna say right now. <laughs> so, so honestly, I have three girls and a boy. And and, and as I as I listened to it, I was I was wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly uh, appreciative and grateful that the same way I heard um, put your hands together, and uh, even when <laughs> some, some, I smile when he used the term motherfucker. That that it applied. You understand that? I mean, it, it applied. Like, if he said it in church, I had no problem because I beat that motherfucker's ass too. That little boy. This kid is he's not a key. Thirty he's thirty some odd years old. Thirty two. Yeah. Thirty. And and, and, and I'm, I'm, he might not. Jesus seen thirty three. He might not see thirty three. You see what I'm saying? Because <laughs> as a father, I wholeheartedly believe what Miss Cecily said love your children, treat them as human beings. But until that mongrel and that heathen rears his ugly head, <laughs> you must you must you must slice it at his at his core. I mean at the no man it's it's, it's tough because there's some uh, there's some there's there's some truth to that statement. I'm gonna try to clean it up for you. No there's some truth to that statement though and it like it goes back to a friend of mine posted it and when I saw it um um, and, and I kind of fit into that that whole category of that's you know it's family business, and um, it definitely shows uh, a rift. But it's it's not something that's um, that's not seen. There comes a time in every father and son relationship where the son gets to the point where he starts to feel as if uh, he wants to try his dad. You know, he wants to, you know, it, it, it happens in every, and I've seen it. I don't even have any kids. I know, um, well, what I commented on my friend's post when he posted it was, um, I uh, was lucky enough to have a father who understood that your child's transgressions is always a chance for a lesson. And I didn't mean for it to rhyme, but I'm such a poet and I don't even know it. But anyway, I'm, that's a terrible joke. But anyway, no. But, uh, ball of corn. You're a ball of corn. <laughs> but no, but... Uh, but uh, you're right, you're right, you're right. So like you were saying, uh, uh, Mike, it's imperative that in those situations, their father uses that moment as a lesson. And uh, in this case, the lesson was, you know... Um, you can't always jump out there with people. They're not always going to be like, oh, it's okay and treat you nice. Somebody's going to come back at you and maybe even harder than that. You know, it, it was words with his father, but uh, somebody else may take it further than that. And so um, 
the 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 father son dynamic was just interesting to me. Like like Tessie said, I I really you know pray for them and wish for the best for 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 the both of them just because there's so much there and then understanding because you know like Mike I was telling you uh, first y'all nicer than me y'all so much nicer than me well like first hearing it I thought that the guy that he was like in his twenties or something but here that he's thirty two. You know, I mean, well, like, uh, um, Aisha, what you think, Aisha? What you think? So, um, I feel like Kurt handled him like a father would handle his adult son. So, there's that. Like, I don't understand what the all the outrage is about. It's one of your classic statements. There's that. We, we talked about that. <laughs> there's that. There's that. Yeah, <laughs> so, got a lot, yeah. So, the fact that he would release that, I, like I said, like, um, you know, Cecily said, that's family business, you know? So you did that to embarrass your father. And ultimately it makes you look just as crazy, if not crazier, because um, regardless of what Kurt said, you know, be it toxic, whatever, at 33, you have options. You know what I mean? Like you have options as far as how you and your parents can interact with each other. Um, and to try and shame your parent, I just feel like that's not necessary. Yeah. Go get therapy. Go see Is anybody in the Bernard McCullough? Bernard McCullough? No, who's that? Mm. He told you a long time ago that the word motherfucker was an Oh, hour. oh, uh, uh, Bernie Mac. Yeah, this okay. guy's a person, place, or thing. We're not going to get too far into that because I want to get back to this interview. Thank you for bringing really? that up, though. I meant to talk about it because I actually got a segue, Dave. That was a good segue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and that was more of a, 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 a digression, but it was, yeah. we digressed. We digressed. I I digress. I, I digress. But uh, but yeah. So Cecily, I wanted to talk a little bit about um um. You talk about who you listen to now. Um, but um, so musically, um, you have such a unique sound. I was trying to usually when I listen to artists, um, I can kind of pick out who their inspiration is, who, you know, their influences are. It was a little tougher with you because you, you have a very unique sound. So um, do you have any uh, inspirations, like uh, musically, who your biggest inspiration is? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get a lot of comparisons to Minnie Ripperton because of the tone of my voice. And, I can hear that, yeah. Uh, that's a very high compliment. And I used to run from that comparison <laughs> because it's a little... Uh, intimidating but i started to lean into it a bit more because i did grow up listening to minnie and i love her like i love her aesthetics i love her sonically i love everything so you know definitely Minnie represent um and i love that she's not easily put into a box you know like she definitely blended folk and you know rock music and uh soul and r&b and I, I think I generally kind of am drawn to those kind of people that live in between genres, you know, like I love Gil Scott Heron. Um, I've, I covered one of his songs on my project, um, songs of love and freedom. I, I sing, um, song for Bobby Smith mm -hmm. and, uh, just cause it's one of my favorite songs, but I love that, you know, he kind of lived in that in between world of jazz and soul and, you know, is one of the, you know, forefathers of hip hop as well. And I mean, there's just so, it, it kind of varies from song to song. Um, on um, Awakening, 
on Songs of Love and Freedom, which I released in 2018, I was like very specific about the soundscapes that I wanted. Um, and I think that was important for me at that time because I was really coming into myself and I needed to be specific about who I was and the sound that I wanted and needed to be able to communicate that um, very clearly to my collaborators, my, my producers. And um, I was really, really, I'm very, still very proud of that project. I think it's one of the best that I've done. Not that I've done that many, but I like that project a lot. Yeah. On um, Awakening Part One, I was a little bit more open. I I kind of just wanted to let each song just like, kind of like be the lead, like take it. I just wanted to be led by the song, basically. Like whatever the song ended up needing to be, that's what it needed to be. And so in that process, the references came a little later, you know, like um, when I was working on the song No Room for Fear, I was thinking a lot about Anita Baker, just because mm -hmm. I felt like the melody already sounded like Anita Baker to me, because I just love how her melodies kind of take you all over the place and are, are very um, sometimes acrobatic even, mm -hmm. you know, but she makes it sound so easy. And I love that. And I, I mm -hmm. felt like the melody that and that was another that was a song where the verse pre-chorus chorus just came to me real simple like in you know 15 minutes i i had written that and then it was kind of building the song around that so you know i referenced some anita baker and some isley brothers and some you know ltd and you know it was kind of just like whatever the song needed i kind of let it flow but as you can hear 70s and 80s yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the vibe yeah yeah and and do you have like an all-time favorite artist and then we'll do song so like some some a person you can listen to anytime you're happy when you're sad when you're angry anything and then is there a specific song that you feel that way about also mm. it's very hard to say a Stuff favorite artist yeah it's very very hard because it um it's just it's endless i think you know I don't often reference his music, his music. Like it's not like a something I listen to and say, I want to sound like that. But I will say one of my all time favorite artists who also has one of my all time favorite songs is Bob Marley. Mm. Um, just cause I grew up listening to Bob Marley, like literally <clears throat> as a little girl, my, my sister made me a, a cassette tape with his music on it. And I'd listen to it every single night for years. Wow. So, I literally grew up on Bob Marley and kind of the energy of his music, just about love at like its most, its deepest level, you know, love meaning justice, you know, um, love meaning freedom. And so I feel like I pull from that, you know, as, as a inspiration, but one of my all time favorite songs of all time is redemption song. So, yeah. <clears throat> That's an amazing song. Yeah, and you, and you um, just then you spoke about uh, um, some of the the multifaceted idea of love, you know. And um, speaking of that, and researching, you know, um, your your life and career, I, I see that you're married, mm -hmm. you're hitched. And uh, so uh, has has that <laughs> as because, and I'm so fascinated by um, 
just the the connection the mic shut up the connection of two people uh, the hitching the hitching he's he's fast right, I, I haven't worked with Mike in a while it's always fun but anyway um but yeah because Mike and Mary too and so I want to ask both of y'all about this just uh but um more specifically Cecily uh did it change anything about your process or or your sound or anything like that do you feel like um, going through that, it's, it's such a huge, you know, step in life and a life-changing process. Did it affect your music in any way? Definitely. Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, the record I wrote, so I released um, Songs of Love and Freedom after I was married, but I wrote most of it, the vast majority of it before I was married. Mm -hmm. um, Awakening Part One, I wrote and recorded and released uh, you know, after I was married, after I was hitched. <laughs> uh, I think that's definitely more mature. Like, it feels more mature, more emotionally mature, even. I think that, you know, when being married, it kind of, like, holds a mirror up to you every day, you know, of, like, the person that you want to be versus who you are being in the moment, you know, like... You said you were going to be kind to this person. You said that you respect them, that you, you know, cherish them, will, you know, treat them how they deserve to be treated. And are you doing that in this moment? You know, like you said you would be non-judgmental, that you would trust, that you would be present. Like, are you doing that in this moment? So it's like I've never had a growing experience quite, quite like marriage. You know, it's just like you grow so much as a person. You grow so much emotionally spiritually you start to understand better especially when you live with someone like what parts of yourself you know um i guess like what your boundaries are and why and you know how to respect those boundaries how to respect other people's boundaries you know like you truly learned how to see someone and have a deep understanding of them you know and because that is love like to to seek to understand is to love you know that's a a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh, who's also inspired some of my some of my writing as well, but um, so I think that you know it it's definitely pulled me into a deeper point of self reflection, um, lyrically, and then also just feeling more comfortable, uh, talking about you know love and sensuality and those things as well, because I felt like when I was younger, when I was in my twenties, and I was dating different people or whatever, it's like if I sang a song and people are like, ooh, who's that about? You know, like, right, right. I don't know. <laughs> That's in my head, but I felt that right, way. Right. Now I just feel more comfortable. Right. They all know it's about that guy. No, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's such a beautiful, like, um, just uh, um, synopsis of what marriage is. That's dope. Uh, so, um, like I said, Mike and I haven't worked together in a while. And since the last time we've done a show together, he got married. And so I'm so interested. I got hitched. I didn't get married. I got yeah, hitched. Yeah, he got hitched. Okay. <laughs> I just I just I just really want to ask him real quick. Uh, uh just that that sentiment, that that beautiful sentiment of what marriage is that she just presented. Is that um I'm, I'm I almost know the answer to this, but has that been your experience? Yeah, because you've been fishing with me in the rain. You know, you know I told you, all, told you all this already. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, when 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 life cares enough about you 
to give you a chance to love and to be loved the way you love. And when you get that, when you get that love back for no reason other than happiness and joy, it, 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 it the, the joy doesn't come from your loins. It only comes from your heart, your soul. It comes from you like your wherever wherever you go after you die into the Milky Way. If you if you can find that that with somebody while you're alive, before you get to the Milky Way, before you pass on and, and leave, and you're here and you're blessed with a presence. Some call it another half. Some call it whatever, a wife, a husband. I'm not even married. I'm in love with a woman. The woman's in love with me. Mar marriage is an understatement. Why wife is, a, is, a, is it doesn't it doesn't put a, 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 a title on what she is to me. Um, she's not only give me reason to breathe, she made me want to breathe again. And I'm grateful. Well, there you have it with your mushy ass. <laughs> See, he's a writer too. He wrote a no, he's, he's, he's extremely poetic. He doesn't, you know, he's written poetry and stuff before. I'm trying to press him to, uh, to, to, to work on his singing voice, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Isha <laughs> getting married soon, right, Isha? Um, I'm married to the Lord Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Dave is a, you know, obviously an awesome guy. And we'll, we'll see how it <laughs> no, no, no. bro. I mean, I mean, can I ask you, Miss Cecily, something? Not before. Okay. You know that, that whatever, whatever. I heard some texture in your voice. I heard some, some. Uh, I want to say, say, whatever I heard. I heard some real. The word of soul. You used it before. Was mm -hmm. it enhanced by the presence of love in your life? I mean, did it did it make it better? I mean, did it make it? You know, were songs easier easier to sing? That's corny. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not that i have to reflect i have to reflect i've never thought of it like that before my apologies well, I, I think she was saying it was a good question it just you no, saw you asking saying, bad questions no i just i never i never thought of it that way before i think you know i think you know you might be right i don't know I, you know when you i always say like when i'm on stage with people that i trust I start doing things in my voice I didn't think I could do. I never thought of trying before because I'm comfortable, because I trust them. I know they got my back. You know, I'm in the moment. I'm present. And I feel like it's probably the same thing with marriage. Like, you have someone you trust. You know, they have your back. Like, you know, they understand you. And you can be present with them. So, you, so you're open to trying new things, you know? So, I feel like, yeah, you could be right. <laughs> I got married in the pandemic, y'all. I rolled over one day. We, we've been planning for the marriage for a good while, or the wedding, excuse me. And then uh, I poked her over, you know, on the side about three o'clock in the morning. I'm gonna say, where is this going, Mike? This is not that kind of a show. Let's just tell me, let's just tell me. So three o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, I'm not on the side, because you know, three o'clock in the morning, you know what I want, right? Anyway. I want to talk about the NBA just got shut down. We got problems right now. <laughs> like, uh, we 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 don't we don't have a venue for the wedding. I mean, and, and even through all that, being quarantined in the house, 
bit of stronger and we made something happen that's awesome. So I'm grateful. For that. Yeah. Love wins. So yeah, yeah. And then, you know, that time I digressed a little bit. But um uh getting back to this in the, in the few moments that we have left, there's a couple of questions that I ask every guest and I always enjoy you know, the, the answers that I get, um, it's always an introspective uh, assessment. So I asked you, and the first one is, if you had an opportunity to uh, to go back in time, if you could uh, get in the time machine and travel back and uh, stand in front of 12-year-old Cecily <laughs> and, and, and have a conversation with her, just uh, through everything you've been through up until this point, all the wisdom you've gained, all the life experience, uh, what would that conversation be like? What kind of things would you say to her? Mm, I would just affirm her. You know, 12 is a hard age for everybody. Everything's changing. Like, it's it's a lot. I remember 12 as being hard. And so I would just affirm my younger self, um, you know, say, like, you're smart. You're beautiful. Trust yourself. Don't listen to any thought that tells you not to love yourself, mm -hmm. um, you know, and just be gentle with yourself. Have compassion for yourself and others. Don't don't do something just because it's trendy or just because it's, you know, the thing to do. Like follow your instincts, follow your intuition, follow your heart. Yeah, I think that's it. I would just I would just affirm my younger self, you know, with 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 uh, loving words. Mm -hmm. That's dope. Yeah. And uh, the other question, um, I try to tailor to the person a little bit. So for you, you've, um, you know, performed, you stood on stages in front of, you know, thousands of people um, and, uh, you know, um, poured your soul out to them. When, when you're standing, whether it's on stage in front of a thousand people or in front of somebody you're meeting for the first time, when people see you, what is it that you hope they see? Hmm. I hope that when people see me, they see someone who wants them to love themselves and who's inviting them into a space and a moment to do just that, to just be vulnerable, to feel what you're feeling, to go through it all together. You know, yeah. That's a really good answer. I think I think it's dope that you live that you're in the moment to the point where you're like, you take a moment to stop where you're like, let me, you know, you form the answer. I was looking at you, you kind of clench your eyes. You know, just that's that's kind of dope. It's interesting. I I've been asked similar oh, questions, yeah. but I've been asked similar questions, but I really wanted to, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that was that was a dope answer. I'll tell you, I, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. So um, right now, awakening part part one is uh, is is and uh, is out now, and uh, awakening part two is forthcoming. Where can people find uh, your music, and where can they find you for bookings for things of that nature? For sure. So if you are in some music videos, I have many beautiful music videos amazing visuals oh my goodness i forgot that i had some questions about that but we'll talk about it when you come back next time it's all good so you can definitely check me out on youtube that um my channel is called cecily music and by the way my name is spelled c-e-c-i-l 
Y, Cecily. And if you just want to listen to my music, it's available on all streaming services. Just look up my name, Cecily. Once again, C-E-C-I-L-Y. And uh, if you want to join me on the socials, I'm on the gram more than I should be. And I also just started a TikTok. So if you want to find me on the Tik, I was just as a joke, I always call it the Tiki Talk. If you want to find me on the Tiki Talk, you can uh, and on on the gram. It's uh, at Cecily Alexa. That's C-E-C-I-L-Y-A-L-E-X-A. And um, if you're into physical music, like you want to own it, hold it in your hand, play it on your record player. Uh, both my album songs, love and freedom and awakening part one are available on wax. So you can find those, um, they're on the internet. You know, if you go to my Instagram, you click on the link in my bio, it's there too. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, your, your, uh, spirit and, uh, your light is beautiful. It's uh, amazing. And I saw that, I think that night, um, we all kind of, uh, Mike and his wife, and uh, when I was there, we all kind of saw it and uh, and have been following it ever since. And uh, that's why I was like, yeah, I got to have her on and, and just have a conversation with you. And it's, you know, of course, uh, lived up to what I thought it would be. It's amazing. You're Thank an amazing you. talent. Um, I appreciate you. You got to come back and talk to us when Awakenings 2 comes out. Um, uh, part two, sorry, comes out. Uh, yeah, man. So thank you so much for 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 being here and joining us on this is the first 7 p.m. episode of the Neighborish Livecast. On behalf of myself, Super Dave, aka Mr. Incredible, uh, the um, kind of here, uh, Aisha Green, and <laughs> I'm here. Don't do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. It's the hardworking lady, and uh, and the always fun. Just Mike and our illustrious guest, uh, Miss Cecily. Thank you guys so much for checking out uh, yes, yes, Live yes, yes. This has been great. We'll be back next Monday, 7 p.m., with more a great guests, more information, more education, and more fun. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. I like to say that I got stole that from uh, what's his name, Jerry Springer. He always would say that at the end of the show, <laughs> and I kind of like it. So I always say it now. Uh, so take care of yourselves and each other. And uh, yeah, have a great week. And see you guys next Monday. Peace. Bye, y'all.